hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Well, thank you. I'm kind of worn out from the coronavirus. No, no, I'm feeling fine. But when I turn on the TV, all I hear about is doom and gloom. How we'll be locked in our homes for weeks on end. Businesses will go bankrupt. Unemployment will go to 30% and on and on and on. And the truth is, some of this is going to happen. We are in a recession. I don't have to wait for the numbers to tell me that. But I'm optimistic. You have to be optimistic if you're an investor. You have to believe America is going to be better off in 5, 10, 20 years from now than it is today. And if you don't, then why would you invest? I think America is the best place on earth. There's no other place in the world I'd rather call home. When there's a crisis, we come together. It's what we do. Despite all the doom and gloom I'm reading about and hearing about, I'm optimistic. Patience with a twist. That's what I called last week's show. I said, for those of you who can tolerate the risk, I thought you could start buying a bit. I mentioned healthcare and the banks in particular. Now, I wouldn't push all in, but I think you can start nibbling. Who knows what the market's going to do tomorrow or the next day? We could still go down another 10 or 15%. But heck, with the VIX at 85, which is where it was last week, and the VIX is what I call the fear gauge, but with the VIX at 85, like it was last week, that implied a 25% move on the S&P 500 in either direction, up or down. You don't need to be in a rush. Chances are we aren't going to be sitting back at the highs next week, but I do think in a year or two, we'll be higher than where we are today. I talked to a client yesterday morning. He said I sounded pretty happy, pretty positive on things. And I probably didn't articulate all the reasons why I was feeling this way as well as I could have. So I wanted to spend a few minutes today on why I feel that way, why I feel so optimistic. So I sat down and I made a list and there all turns out there's a lot of reasons more than what I'm going to be able to go through today. But the first and the biggest I've already mentioned, this is America. We have a long history of getting it done. And you're seeing that you're seeing companies step up Ford, 3M and GE. They're all working together to produce medical equipment and protective gear. GM's doing the same thing. Heck, even Elon Musk is out there acquiring ventilators. I've seen what I would call unbelievable response by the pharmaceutical and biotech industries to find some sort of cure treatment. I think we'll get it done. We'll get through this. Number two on the list, and I had it bullet pointed here, recession. You already know that I think that we're in one and stocks typically bottom during recessions. And if I'm right, then you're looking at some pretty good risk reward scenarios going forward. But let's be clear. There are some businesses that aren't going to make it out of this. There will be permanent losses of capital. That's what happens during a recession. Number three, number three of why I'm optimistic. The Fed has cut rates to zero. 
they did another quantitative easing. They've dusted off some of the old alphabet soup programs from the great financial crisis, like CPFF and PDCF and my favorite, the good old MMLF. Basically, they're flooding the system with money. Money doesn't find a cure for a virus, but what it does do is make sure that there's ample liquidity in the system. And what you need along with this is number four, a big fiscal response. And that's what comes out of the government. As I sit here recording this, we don't have anything yet. And am I concerned about that? No, not really. It's more frustration that I feel that we aren't getting what's needed to the people who need it most as quickly as we can get it to them. Again, this isn't anything new. If you remember TARP, the Troubled Asset Relief Program, Congress went back and forth over that bill at the beginning of the great financial crisis. They will get a $2 trillion plus package done because people will demand it. So you put three and four together, the monetary and the fiscal policies, and three and four together does add up to seven. But more importantly, it says you have the Fed and the politicians throwing everything, including the kitchen sink at this. Number five, rates got cut. That's going to help the consumer. When the Fed cut rates, you had a tremendous amount of refis. So many, in fact, that it drove mortgage rates higher. That's right. Mortgage rates went lower. Homeowners rushed in to refi. And basically, there was so much business, it clogged up the system. So so rates went higher to slow it down. Once the system clears, mortgage rates will probably go lower again. My point is, is borrowing is cheap and it's going to benefit Main Street. And it's not just the mortgage rates, but gas prices. The Russians and the Saudis are fighting and the Saudis increased oil production. This is driving prices at the pump down. According to AAA, the average price per gallon in the U.S. is $2.10. At the moment, not a whole lot of us are going to be able to take advantage of it because we're not going anywhere. But hopefully, it'll help the airlines recover when things become more normal. Number six, the cupboards are bare. Inventories are low. Just take a stroll through your local grocery store and you'll get the idea of what I'm talking about. A drawdown in inventories is usually followed by a jump in production. That's one of the reasons to look at the staples. And as for the durables, the pent-up demand due to delayed purchases will eventually be unleashed, especially given zero interest rates. Number seven, you have the yield curve starting to steepen again. That's going to be good for the banks. And it also implies some sort of growth going forward. Let me just give you a couple uh, more in case you need more. They say it's always darkest before the sun rises. Fear was so rampant that trading has been halted three, maybe four times in the last couple of weeks. And I mentioned last week that CNN has this fear and greed index, which looks at things like the VIX, as I mentioned, along with stock price breadth. Uh, demand for bonds, and a few other things. And it has a range from 1 to 100. At the beginning of the year, it was darn near 100, showing extreme greed. And last week, we were just about at 3, showing extreme fear. This week, we're a little bit better. We're about 13, 
which is still in the extreme fear category, but better. I think we may have hit peak pessimism. You know what Warren Buffett says, be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. And I'll give you one more. Bernie Sanders lost his bid to be the Democratic nominee for president. Now, 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 before you start emailing me or calling me, this is not a political commentary. Trust me on that. I say it because I've been recommending healthcare stocks. And with Sanders out of the race, it increases the favorable outlook for those stocks. Healthcare is a place where I'd be snooping around. And let me stop there. There are a lot of reasons for me to have a positive outlook from here, but you still need to be patient. I would suspect that we retest the lows, still have elevated volatility. But as I said last week, I think you can be nibbling at high quality businesses here. Don't feel like you need to to buy just because there's a huge one day rally. Don't feel like you're going to miss out. I think you have time. If you're more conservative, less risk tolerant, another sign that you can wait for is when we get two days of overwhelming volume to the upside, meaning that volume is 10 to 1 on the upside. The areas that look most attractive to me now are the healthcare stocks, the financials, some of the staples, and some of the tech stocks. The tech stocks that have clean balance sheets, no debt. And they're probably going to be the ones that come back the quickest. What I think is most important in all of this is that you have a good plan in place to deal with whatever comes next. If you don't and want some help, please feel free to reach out to us. You can always give us a call or email us at podcast, which is plural, podcast at xmlfg.com. Let's leave it there for today. We'll be back next week. And until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow them. This is Eric Whiteman for Common Sense Investing. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.